Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Estelle Giraud. Estelle is a PhD scientist, population genetics, turned commercial operator, and leader in biotech and frontier medicine at Illumina, and now turned founder. Estelle believes people don't neatly fit in single boxes, and some of the most interesting insights about people and the world come from the unplanned intersections. She brings authenticity and openness to tough conversations about the hard problems we face and thrives in finding new understanding through conversation. Welcome to the show, Estelle. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Great. Well, let's get started. So Estelle, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, uh, and I'll try and make this brief, but um, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. I'm also recovering from COVID. Oh, um, you feel better. Yeah, I have peppermint tea on the go. Um, so I am trained as a population geneticist. Uh, I spent a long time at university, did a PhD in population genetics, um, and really was down an academic track in my career for a long time. I've always loved the sciences, uh, various different stems, but genetics in particular really captured my interest from an early age. And, and I, I love the idea that we all have this kind of blueprint inside of us that uh, directs everything from our health to, you know, how we exist in the world, but it's not uh, prescriptive, you know, there's, there's control that we have there. And there's all these complex mathematical relationships with how we, uh, you know, who we are as a human species that is codified mm -hmm. in our genetics. And so that was the early part of my career. I then uh, segued that and, and spent about a decade in industry, working for one of the largest biotechs in the world, uh, for anybody that's familiar with med tech or genetics, the company is Illumina, and they were at the forefront of this industry for a really long time. They arguably, they still are. And I was responsible for building out their population genetics team and, and applications in the US. Uh, and so that was managing a $400 million plus business and, and growing that. And it gave me a frontline seat into you know, commercial sales, marketing, how to think about product market fit, how to think about tech industries more broadly. And I saw, you know, a number of different things through that kind of journey, but uh, various aspects of the way that medicine was going laid very heavily on my heart and my mind. And I saw problems in this industry um, from ethical to just the way that our data infrastructure systems are set up. And I firmly believe in the promise of precision medicine, this idea medicine can be data-driven and predictive and really, really personalized. And genetics is a big piece of that. Um, but there's real limitations in us being able to get there right now. And so I, I left Illumina and I'm now building a software company. Um, with a very small team of people and, and we're trying to craft a different future for this and, and really kind of enable this data-driven medicine, but putting people right at the center of their, of their health data. And so that's 
I mean, happy to talk more about Trellis Health, but in essence, you know, that's that's what we're working towards. That is fascinating. And your background is so interesting. And I'm so proud as a woman that you have this biotechs and genetics background. That's just awesome. And I love that you're taking now with your own company, Trellis, taking that and making it something that is ethical and is smart and is needed, you know, with your software company. So that's just amazing. So great job. So can you share with us our growing understanding of genetics will impact the future of human health and why there's so much space to innovate in healthcare, even though it's not that simple? Yeah, there's a a lot wrapped up. There's a lot in there, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe I'll tackle it this way. Healthcare has notoriously been one of the hardest industries to innovate in and it's I think it's multi-layered in that it's it's a highly regulated space it's incredibly mm-hmm. complex particularly mm-hmm. here in the in the US and it's unique largely unique as an industry because it's not a simple kind of buyer seller it's you know you've got layers of different companies and healthcare providers and insurance payers and employers paying for healthcare benefits. And, you know, they're all wrapped up in an industry. And so it's really complex uh, to be able to find business models that work. At the same time, it tends to be a fairly conservative industry. And and rightly so, you know, you're talking about people's health and and people's lives. And so Mm -hmm. you don't want to be taking enormous unproven risks in technology and there's you know stories throughout um throughout the history particular recent history you know with companies like theranos and others that um didn't come from really solid scientific backgrounds and moved too quickly in healthcare and caused a lot of damage and so um you know you you have to balance that in healthcare at the same time there are tremendous advancements in technology and um i'm really optimistic i'm I'm really bullish on the next 100 years the next 50 years really being the century of of biology and and medicine and us seeing drastic improvements in in how we think about human health and part of that is because we're starting to be able to measure things like genetics at really high resolution and we never have before. And genetics is just one piece of it. The other pieces are are things like uh, wearable technology or Mm -hmm. um, understanding mental health better. You know, there's all these aspects of our health that have traditionally not been part of medicine, but we're starting to measure them today. And so the data is getting richer and richer uh, and it, medicine is essentially turning into a data science, and it will continue to do so over the coming decades. And with that, with AI and, and some of the advancements in computer science, you're coming at this intersection where we could start to see precision medicine and, and mm-hmm. medicine that's really tailored to the individual instead of this one size fits all approach, you know, our entire medical care system is is kind of based on the average person and a standard of care and a, a clinical trial where an average, you know, even our medication doses are based on 
averages of, of studies and it's not really tailored, but you can imagine a future where that starts to get really, really tailored and you go to go to a doctor or, you know, doesn't matter what health condition you're dealing with, or even just trying to live the healthiest life, life possible, be able to get recommendations and treatments that are really unique for you and your makeup. And I mean, it sounds obvious to say this, but genetics is, is such a core piece of that. And it's not been possible until very recently. So, you know, what used to cost in the thousand, you know, in the human genome project uh, era, which wasn't that long ago, this is, you know, two decades ago, um, that was millions of dollars, billions. And now we're talking about being able to fully sequence a human genome for $200. Uh, wow. And the cost is just coming down. And so that makes it accessible for people. And whether that's through companies like 23andMe or Ancestry DNA, some of these pioneers of the direct-to-consumer genetic testing markets, you know, they've done a lot in making this really accessible to the public. But you can also think about this being a standard of care in future from your doctor. Um, through your healthcare, it's a standard of care in or becoming a standard of care in pregnancy. You know, I believe within the next five years or so, 90% of, of people in developed countries will have some kind of genetic testing done on themselves. And today, there's not a really safe place to put that information and then have that information be leveraged for your personal healthcare journey. And so, you know, a big part of our mission at Trellis Health is to create that, to create this really safe place for this data to live and then impact your health and your children's health and your family's health. Wow. That is amazing. Um, so many thoughts going through my head. <laughs> Oh, as you said, all of these different things, and I'm so bullish like you about the future. I mean, it's it's amazing that we've had all this data, but I, as I think about doctor's offices, it's all manual, right? They never really used computers, and still today they're using file folders in some cases, you know? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, so that data now as it starts to populate, now they can see more patterns and it's more individualized rather than, you know, just the average person. So mm -hmm. I think that could be huge uh, for the future. So, Yes, thank you. Thank you for finding this software program and putting it together at Trellis to take that data and keep it in a safe place because, you know, privacy is very critical for this information. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to being a founder, you're also a mom. So share with <laughs> us how motherhood makes you a better founder and vice versa. Yeah. So the short version of this is that I am also extremely bullish on the positive impact of being a parent and what that does to a, you know, a career. And it doesn't, it, it's not just a founder, right? It's, you know, whatever people choose to do. And, and even if that's stay at home or, you know, whatever it is, it's a superpower from a woman's perspective to be able to do that with your body mm -hmm. and to have the, the, the kind of 
uh, on one sense, it's the purpose that that gives you. It opens up a, a lot of uh, of ways of thinking about the world, but mm-hmm. it also constrains certain things as well. So, you know, I have constrained time <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in a very practical sense. And so it forces you to be ruthless with time and, and really targeted about what you're doing and make faster decisions and move through things faster and, and be really cognizant of what you're taking on and what you're outsourcing and how you're managing your time and your purpose and your passion with what you want to be doing with your time. And I, honestly, like from a founder's perspective, that is a superpower. Um, yeah. It's We could talk a lot, I think, about the different ways that, especially being a mother as a, as a woman and a mother in tech is perceived, um, particularly by investors and around fundraising and in women in positions of, of leadership while also you know, having young children or being pregnant, there is a whole lot to talk about there and um, to deconstruct in future. You know, mm-hmm. there's still layers of of bias and, and limitations that exist around that. But I am unapologetic of the journey that I went through to motherhood, what I feel like that has given me as a founder in terms of purpose and, uh, you know, what I'm doing at Trellis House. And then it's also just given me insight into the human condition. And we haven't covered this yet, but Trellis Health, initially, our target uh, audience and our first product is really built around pregnancy Mm. and managing, helping women manage their bodies and their health through this really intense period of time. and for a lot of reasons, this just makes perfect sense from a market standpoint and from a from the gaps that that women experience during healthcare in that time, as well as outcomes. You know, the US has one of the worst maternal mortality rates in the world and certainly in the developed world. Mm-hmm. And so there's such an opportunity for impact there as well. And I would not have had those insights. So Trellis Health would not be targeting this particular time point in a person's life if I hadn't experienced this myself. And so it's a perspective that I bring that, you know, a male founder that's never personally experienced this wouldn't necessarily bring that knowledge to the problem space that that mm-hmm. we're solving in. And so, you know, that experience of motherhood is a superpower in terms of what we're building at Trellis Health and how we go about building that. And also how we go about building our culture as a company. Our culture is, I, I firmly believe culture is the superpower of any startup. And mm-hmm. being able to um, craft a different narrative to, to what that culture means in these really fast moving high stakes businesses like startups are, you know, many days it's like life or death situation for the company. But at the same time, we're all humans. We all have our journey. We have other things. We're multifaceted people. We get purpose from different areas of our life. And so being able to intentionally craft a culture around just being a human first is really important to me and to our I team. Think that's, yeah, I think that's fascinating. And and you experienced it firsthand. So you have the best knowledge and the best applications for that knowledge. Um 
in your organization that no male could have. I mean, it's just amazing. That's firsthand experience and culture. Yes. Culture, not just in startups, but in any organization, culture is the foundation. You know, you have to have a good culture in order to grow and thrive. So that's really, really important things that you mentioned. You also said you've learned the value of time which time is so important when you have family and work and trying to balance it all. Time is the one thing that doesn't stand still, right? So you have to make the best of each day and each minute and each day. I pretty much, you know, do that every day so that I can really uh, expand my day as much as possible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's time is finite. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, it's a work in progress for me, but deconstructing some of the the ideas that we have about time and how we use time and mm-hmm. it, you know, but trying to optimize that I think is a is a worthy endeavor. And I wouldn't have paid so much attention to it when you have this kind of endless time, what feels like mm-hmm. endless time pre-parenthood. Mm-hmm. That yeah. you can devote to your business, that you can devote yeah. to your business. Now it's a finite time because another little being needs you right and needs your time yeah 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 and i Mm -hmm. it's it's also about managing like i've been having this conversation a lot recently but um managing energy versus Mm -hmm. managing time Mm -hmm. and so not feeling the pressure to be okay i must work nine to five and this is my work time and it's locked in and regimented and then I have Mm -hmm. you know this other time block over here that's also you're you're fitting and contorting your body and your your brain and and what you're doing into these constructs of time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I much prefer and I'm more productive and and far more free when I'm thinking about my energy so some days that looks like me putting my child to bed and working all evening because it, mm-hmm. it gives me purpose and I'm I'm invigorated by that and you know I I want to do that and it's like what do I want to do with my time mm-hmm. and then some days it's I'm leaving early and I'm going to the park for however long with my child and that gives mm-hmm. me energy as well to attack the next day it's a blend. It's not a balance. It's a blend. You have to mm-hmm. think of it that way and blend what is needed at any given time and give that your full attention. And that's where you will really, really succeed. Yeah. Yeah, completely. That's great. And I think you're figuring that out just as being a parent and running a business is not easy, um, but it's a blend. You need to just give it all your focus when you're in that moment, rather than trying to think about what where you should be next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Estelle, what are some frameworks and mental models for thinking about entrepreneurship and the product market fit as a science of an ecosystem? Yeah. <laughs> I, so I am a scientist by training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, spent close to a decade at university. And there's, you hear this story, right? It's, it's kind of um, idealized in Silicon Valley, especially about like a PhD dropout founder and somebody that's, you know, being exposed to that and decided, no, 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 I just want to go and do it. And I want to start a company. And I'm going to learn as I do it. And that is definitely a path. 
I think there is another path there though, where being a scientist and being taught how to think like a scientist Mm -hmm. and run experiments like a scientist is really beneficial for business. And, you, you know, in classic kind of, you have a hypothesis and you design an experiment and you test it and you get the result and then you iterate on that. That's the scientific process. That's what I am taught to do as a scientist. It's also incredibly valuable for building a company and thinking about product market fit in these early Mm -hmm. days of starting a company, you know, everything that you're doing is an experiment and you're testing and you're collecting data and you're trying to understand the way that the worlds work or the way human behavior works or, you know, whatever it is. And so thinking about it from, you don't want to over-optimize in terms of experiments, but I do think a lot about frameworks for uh, the different way businesses work or, you know, a consumer business versus a B2B business and designing experiments to test things and then collect that feedback, iterate on that and do the next test. And the faster you can move through that cycle as a founder, um, the faster you can get to what is real signal. And it's it, in part of it, it's also like a, you know, first principles kind of, way of thinking as well when you're forced to design an experiment you have to go back to okay what is it that I'm actually testing what am I doing here um and from my perspective with trellis health um you know I'm we're in healthcare and we're consumer software and a lot of people Mm -hmm. really balk at that intersection you know they're like what I'm either comfortable with healthcare and there's all these models and frameworks for b2b and enterprise business models in (laughs) healthcare and then there's this separate world over here which is about consumer behavior and psychology and advertising and customer acquisition cost and like the way that people behave there are not many companies and business models that really kind of exist in between but from a first principles kind of way of of thinking about it there are several things so one is I spent close to a decade you know in my corporate life selling b2b enterprise deals into the U.S. healthcare system so Mm -hmm. you know tens of millions of dollar plus deals it's there are constraints in that world you know every single hospital is different you're forced to fit into their existing structures their long complex sales cycles um and i firmly believe that just you will not build something radically different if you force it into an existing system it's mm-hmm. you you are defining what you build by the by the constraints of that system and so if you want to build something radically different you have to go outside of that and then you've got the flexibility to reimagine okay what could this look like what should this look like um but then you and have that's different... very important yeah that's very important yeah. to be able to look at it from scratch not try to mold it into something that's already there yes Yes. Mm -hmm. But then you've got different kind of, you know, frameworks and things that you have to test with consumers. And so, I mean, to cut a long story short here, right, we went through this kind of exercise of, okay, strip away all of our existing assumptions and what we think about 
the world and and that's also a scientific trait like let's mm-hmm. not take that assumed knowledge for for granted and let's think about okay what are we actually testing what are we measuring here and if you start from the very bottom and work your way up you start recognizing okay this is an assumption let's test this we're not going to build something different in this context so let's reimagine it with a different baseline um and you can get to a product strategy and a company strategy that's really unique in that context and then you go about testing it and so that's it, it doesn't happen overnight but you know that happened in parallel to me being pregnant and it was really really insightful as a mm. process wow yeah that's so important and you hit on all the key pieces from you know strategy to process to systems that are so important so thank you for that so let's jump in into privacy you know privacy mm. is on everybody's mind i mean we talk about you know giving our information in so many places what people do with it how it's you know how it's distributed when it's distributed sometimes without our permission yeah. so why is privacy in the health information system so important yeah i would argue that this is some of the most personal data that we mm-hmm. own and you know it's and it it is bought and sold today like we can talk mm-hmm. about all the different ways that this information is is kind of shared through the ecosystem many times without consumers even having knowledge that it's right. that it's been shared but um it's an area that's that's extremely close to my heart you know back when i was in uh college and in academia and doing my phd i uh i got very deep into the ethics of genetics and the privacy mm-hmm. around that and um wanted to be an ethicist uh with some of this kind of genetic technology as it's starting to impact humanity and so from an ethical perspective i you know i love that intersection between ethics and 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 genetics but then mm-hmm. in a healthcare setting i feel like it's it's accelerating today and in, in not a good direction and this mm. is what gives me a certain sense of urgency with what we're doing with trellis health is i want my children to grow up in a world where this data is protected and mm-hmm. it, and it is theirs and they're not theirs and they're not going to be discriminated against because of certain pieces of that data um but tell me today, a little more about that discriminated against how would that work well how does it work today that you don't want that to happen in the future so there's two there's two axes that i see and there's probably more but like it's just at a high level mm-hmm. I, i don't know if you've seen the movie gattaca no. <laughs> i mean it's old it's i'm aging myself i'm dating myself here uh it's it's worth the watch if somebody's after like a og um genetic sci-fi movie that was made uh, several decades ago that is actually coming true today so it's about designing humans and designing traits for humanity mm-hmm. uh so like anything from making sure that people don't have cancer or a risk of cancer mm-hmm. to they don't have a genetic predisposition predisposition to heart disease or they have perfect 2020 vision 
you know, it's a sliding scale there of, of traits and it's a slippery slope of what do we want the future to look like. I think one of the main drivers of, of that is economic discrimination. So things like pre-existing conditions. We don't want to economically disadvantage somebody that has a different genetic risk makeup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than somebody else. So you could imagine a world, I'm being like, this is, you know, dystopian and not what we want the world to be, but you can imagine a world where a, a wealthy person could have access to these technologies, you know, IVF and, mm-hmm. and um, selection where they can screen out diseases from their family mm-hmm. lines mm-hmm. and have children that don't have these health risks mm-hmm. and have health insurance and access to health insurance because of that. And at the other end of the spectrum, a uh, a family that doesn't have those economic means, can't screen it out, uh, has those pre-existing conditions, is not able to get health insurance, and then yeah. is kept at a lower socioeconomic, you're, you're almost creating like a genetic class mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. just with really simple economics around pre-existing health conditions. Wow. Um, now, obviously, there's like a lot between where we are today and that potential future. But part of it is this idea that your genetic information and how, you know, whether you choose to, whatever you choose to do, right, that's your life, that's your choice. But it should be private. And we need, and I, I also don't trust necessarily that the laws are always going to move in the right direction. And so mm-hmm. a big part of what we're doing at Trellis Health is creating this ultra private system where people can can contribute to research if they choose to, they can share the data if they choose to, but they don't have to, they can keep it really private. And we, we put all of that agency and kind of health ownership, health data ownership back in the hands of the of the individual and protect that information so like on a genetic standpoint that's one future the other thing that I I do want to mention is what's happening today with um, women's reproductive rights in the U.S. and Mm -hmm. everything around that like your health and your choice and your body is your decision and today there is there's a lot of ways that this information flows through systems without people consenting to having that information released and so mm-hmm. being able to say okay this is your health your information your journey you have ownership over that and you can share that with whoever you choose but you don't have to share it is right. uh, is really important i love that come on trellis make this happen <laughs> <laughs> i have a lot of urgency around this privacy and and you know these are just two examples but you can yeah. there's a lot of different Indeed. ways that you can think about the way the future unfolds and uh we're at a, a tipping point i feel like with like the software and the and the architecture and the systems need to be built today to make sure that we get to that tomorrow that is built in a good way for humanity. Right, right. And we need people like you that are thinking that way, the ethics involved with everything and how you get the choice of where your data is and who's accessing it and where it's Mm -hmm. going and how it's being used. That's so important. And today there's all kinds of unethical ways, you know, people are getting data. 
Yeah. One other thing that I want to mention really quickly on this is mm -hmm. today, this is a, a multi, this is a $10 billion plus industry with companies that are buying and selling health data. And it's completely legal under HIPAA because they just de-identify the data set and kind of tokenize mm -hmm. it in ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't need to sign a release. You don't need to consent to anything as a patient or as a consumer and it's just bought and sold you know through these marketplaces mm -hmm. that's fine until you get to genetics right. <laughs> genetics are not able to be really easily de-identified or they can be cracked and there's you know there's a whole like your genetics is your identity this is how right. forensics works for anybody mm -hmm. that's watched csi you know <laughs> this is your identity. And so I really, you know, I think a lot about the future of these health data marketplaces. Once you start putting genetics in there and genetics is, it's a very important part of somebody's health. Yeah, no, very true. All right. So as a female executive in this tech industry, I'm sure it's very male dominated in your world. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share a couple of experiences that really stand out that made you who are you are today, like life lessons, maybe? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a, there's several. I think I'm I'm again I'm optimistic that the world is changing, but mm -hmm. certainly raising money and and building a company as a female CEO as a as a new mother in tech trying to raise venture capital money, uh -huh. you know, less uh -huh. than 2% of all venture dollars goes to women today. Right. And that's uh -huh. just a ridiculous statistic. Uh -huh. I, um, agree. I agree. And it means that we're missing out on the insights that women bring to the way that our world works. Like we were saying earlier in the discussion, you know, a, a male wouldn't have the same experience that I had through pregnancy and through that mm -hmm. health journey and wouldn't bring the same um, knowledge to that to that space that mm -hmm. I bring. And so they're not going to create trellis health the same way mm -hmm. that I'm doing. And, right. and if you give, if, if you fund 98% of, uh, you know, of these male run businesses, mm -hmm. you're missing out on, on that other half of, uh, you know, all the diversity that comes with somebody that thinks differently. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this is a problem that, you know, go goes all the way up the funnel as well, because it's LPs and all the way up the fundraising cycle. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I think change comes from founders really looking at diversity on their cap tables and generating wealth for the next wave of investors and having that next wave of investors be diverse. Mm -hmm. And then they can invest in diverse VCs to manage that money and, and look at, you know, a female VC and say, okay, she's going to, she's going to align with and see different things to invest in than maybe a male VC mm -hmm. would. And then that flows down to female founders uh, and female entrepreneurs. And so I think it's this like cycle of change and I'm optimistic that it's happening. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, really good movements at the same time, like with the market conditions this year in particular, I don't want to see us lose some of those gains. A lot of these funds, these new kind of funds that focus on diversity, 
are very new and so mm -hmm. with some of the the market conditions this year and and kind of the, the tech market kind of crashing a bit like I, I don't want to see those gains lost mm -hmm. um we have to be diligent throughout the whole ecosystem to make sure that we're having diverse representation all the way through and we're seeing and it's hard it's yeah, really hard it's really hard and two percent is a ridiculous statistic and there's no reason for that you know there it's just a mindset so these vcs yeah. need to start looking at the benefits of a diverse workforce the benefits mm -hmm. of what women bring to the table there's a lot you know mm -hmm. from empathy to collaboration to profitable businesses they you know yeah. women the stats that show that so yes. it really is important for them to realize that and so i'm glad you're seeing some movement with the new funds in different ways but i hope you're right i hope it changes very very soon yeah yeah so this is on a personal note. So in closing, Estelle, what's your favorite place that you've traveled to and why? Yeah. <laughs> I, oh man, this is, this is a tough, this is this a tough, tough one. one. But if the first one comes to your mind, what is it? <laughs> um, and this is kind of a selfish question just because I want new places to travel to <laughs> and it gives me great ideas. <laughs> so I, I will, so I'll try and keep this short. Um, my father is French. My mother is mm -hmm. Australian. My father was a sailor and uh, left, actually left France in his early 20s hitchhiked on boats wow. and worked on boats and eventually landed in Australia but uh, has always loved the Indian Ocean Mediterranean he settled in a very small island that is still part of France called Réunion Island mm -hmm. uh, and had a house there and, and I used to travel there as a child and um, through my teenage years and it was just this really unique mix of cultures and it's a beautiful island it's volcanic it's um you it, it feels very very far away from everything uh mm. and i love that we need that some days just to disconnect mm -hmm. completely right just to go over somewhere where you can't get service so that you can just mm -hmm. think and clear your mind i need that desperately <laughs> That sounds there's a, there's a lot. I uh, I have been blessed uh, and feel very fortunate with the privilege of being able to see a lot of different right. parts of the world and um, yeah, all through Australia, Asia, and, and the when US was the last time you went there? Okay, so a pandemic aside, I haven't traveled. Pandemic mm -hmm. and being pregnant and starting a company, I haven't left <laughs> to no, do any travel in many yep. years. <laughs> Um, and I don't know when it's going to happen again. Uh, I, you know, everybody was in Europe this summer and I was heads down building products. Right, right. You have um, a lot on your plate right now. So that takes precedence. Yeah. But now that it's coming back to your mind, maybe you'll plan a trip in the next few mm -hmm. years. There. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. sounds great. So, Estelle, can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, so we are on uh, social media platforms as uh, My Trellis Health. Um, okay. I am also on Twitter. Uh, I Estelle J. Giraud on Twitter. I, I 
talk about um, being a founder, being a woman in tech, being a mother, privacy, health data, genetics, kind of everything that we've spoken about today. So people are, mm-hmm. are welcome to follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, and then, yeah, if they want to keep keep tabs on what we're doing at Trellis Health as, as, as we grow and um, feel free to, to follow along there as well. That's great. Well, Estelle, this was such an honor and you are a wealth of information, information that I didn't really think about so much before, but now it's really top of mind, you know, between genetics Mm. and privacy and data, there's just so many pieces to it. And I can't wait till Trellis is going because (laughs) it will be amazing, you know, with the thought and the effort you've put through to build the platform that people will love is really, really important today. And Mm -hmm. so good luck to you. And um, I really, really enjoyed our time together. So thank you. Thank you. I did as well. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.